What a power-packed weekend it is. Valentine's Day weekend. I had a guy a couple months ago ask me, uh, he said, hey, I'm coming up to do a conference in Colorado, and man, I would love if you could pick me up and we could spend uh, the day together. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to say yes every time. And then I got, I said this a couple months ago, and then I got a text from his administrator last night that I'm picking him up today for lunch, and we're going to drive across the mountain. So I'm going to miss a little bit of the game, but it's okay because we're here together this morning. And so um, if you're, if you have a, a team in the Super Bowl, good for you. If you don't, good for you. How many guys just want to see a good game? Yes. Amen. How many guys have already dated your significant other this week before Valentine's Day? Okay. Nice. All right. So we got work to do. That's the truth. We're talking about that today. Every day is Valentine's Day. Amen, girl. And so talking today about, I struggled with the, um, with maybe the, the topic or the title of this because it is, it is hidden love. It's really visible love. You see it all the time. And so if we were to define love today with it being Valentine's Day weekend, day, something like that, if we were to define that, you would all define love very, very differently. We would get a bunch of different answers. Agreed? Because we all define a little bit differently because of how we experience it or how we grew up or whatever. But if I said to define hospitality, we could all find common ground on that. You agree with that? And so the hospitality is unique because in hospitality, what you have is we come together on a common ground and we say, well, we would, you know, you've heard I'd give the shirt off my back or um, I would welcome you into my home. And we all kind of understand. I'd hold the door for you. We all kind of understand what hospitality is. And so we're in this series titled Community. So like I said, the last few weeks we talked about how and why you belong. But today we're going to talk about how we belong. Everybody say how we belong. How we belong. And so it said, this is kind of some Christianese, this is church language, it said, you cannot have community without you and I. You cannot have community without you and I. It's a little bit cheesy, but it's 100% true. It's 100% true. And so as we've discussed those last two weeks, I would tell you, if you have battled that in the past, almost everybody has battled perfection or rejection or not adding up, not being good enough, I would challenge you to go back and get those messages on our podcast or on YouTube, wherever. And the reality in all this is belonging happens in us. I'm challenging you to go back because belonging happens in us and it happens in me before it happens in you. It's going to happen in you before it happens anywhere else. Does that make sense? And so until I accept the fullness of who God is and what he's done for me and what Jesus has done, why Jesus came to redeem me, until I accept that, it's going to be hard for me to give that to somebody else. Amen? Amen. And so then it's your relationship with God that confirms the belief that you belong. Everybody say, I belong. So then community gives us that sense of belonging, gives us a social connection. And so people feel like they belong when they know that you care. You guys have all heard the old, the old quote, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? I feel like we have a pretty good culture of that at the Grove, whereas we are one anothering each other quite a bit. And that's special because it's, it's, it's so unique because you don't find that in most places. And so the idea behind today's message is when you love somebody, they better know. When you love somebody, they should know it. How many guys are loved, loved by somebody and you know it? Raise your hand. That's huge. That's huge. And the reason you know it is because it's consistent. God's love for you is consistent. And he says he's the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. That means he's there from the start and he'll be there until the finish. He's the author and finisher of your faith. And so God's love is consistent. Jesus' love is consistent, right? He came and went through it and was consistent until your redemption, until the day that he gave his life. And so that when you love somebody, 
They should probably know it. If not, right? If not, then it's what you have with the, the token Valentine's Day. I'm going to take this one day, and on this one day, I'm going to give you a card and flowers and chocolate, and I'm going to write in a card every word that you've ever meant to me, and this better last you the rest of the year, okay? <laughs> I told you I, lo- I, have, I have several older friends who would say, I told you I love you when we got married, like, and I don't believe in that theory at all, Okay. We should be expressing our love to our people every single day. We should be walking in God's love. And so that means when we gather, when we come together, especially around tables to eat, we're not just there to get fed. We're there to feed our relationships. We're there to grow in community. That's what's special about this place. Acts 2.42 says they were continually, talking about the disciples, they were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles and to the fellowship, to eating meals together and to prayer. There's a whole bunch of hospitality in that. Everybody say hospitality. What you see in Acts 2.42 is, and by the way, I battled going to this scripture a lot because of what I know about pastors and church planning and, and church history. But this is really the model of the church. This is the first church. And so what you see here is they were devoted to three things. Relationship with God and with each other. Discipleship. Breaking bread together. Praying together. Worshiping together. Being devoted to the apostles' teaching. Discipleship. Growing in their faith. So they did this every day. day. It's a daily walk. And they were committed to community. Community. And so the word fellowship in Acts can be uh, translated to togetherness, friendship, intimacy. Some, that makes some of us uncomfortable, that word right there. Companionship, sociability, and community. And community. Now, the biggest question that we have when it comes to community, or how do we, how do we community? I like, I know what I want, but I don't know what we want. How do we approach how do we approach community? And there are three things that you're going to see in the Bible, and it's they're throughout the whole Bible. You've heard me talk about two of them. I'm hitting the third today, right? You see them in the book of Acts, and it's honor. Everybody say honor. honor. Respect one another. It's in Romans 12. You can look it up if you want. It's in there, I promise. Honor. That means don't pretend. Don't pretend. It's no bait and switch, Right? There's no, well, I'm going to treat you nice because I need you to do something for me. I've been a part of a lot of conversations where that happens. Okay. If you cannot honor yourself, if you cannot honor God, you will struggle to honor people. Just respect. Right. The second one is honesty. Be real with each other. This is Romans chapter three. Nobody's squeaky clean. Nobody's perfect. Be honest. If you cannot be honest with yourself, if you cannot be honest with God, you will struggle to be honest with each other. And then hospitality, hospitality, love one another intentionally. It's very intentional. Okay. That's out of first Peter four, eight, nine. I'll give that to you at the end. If you cannot love yourself, if you cannot love God, you will struggle to love people and the lies that the devil's told you your whole life. You will believe and you will let them limit you and your love for others because of what you think about yourself, which is untrue. Everybody say untrue. untrue. God sees you as a son or a daughter. He calls you, he calls you righteous. Righteous, blameless, holy. And so then, I said earlier, it has to happen in you first, right? When these three things are present, honor, honesty, and hospitality, there's an opportunity for unity. When unity happens among people, we have community. We have community. And so then with these three, you cannot lead where you're not willing to go. Leadership 101. Right. Show me. Don't tell me. Show me you love me. Show me that you care about me. You can tell me all day long. 
But you and I both know some of the time that's meant for exchange only. But man, when you show me, that takes investment, that takes your time, that means something to me, right? And so then it happens in you first before it can come out of you. The root is in your heart. It's not in a thing. It's in who you are. It's not, it's not a task or a job to do. And so then to lead it, you must be it. So the truth is community really comes down to believing that we all have the same rights. And we all view ourselves as equal. Everybody say equal. equal. First Corinthians says, all of you agree with one another in what you say and let there be no divisions. That's plural, divisions. Let there be no divisions among you. Instead, be perfectly united in mind and thought. How many of you guys know that's tough? Because we have perspective. And we define things differently based on what, <laughs> what the media is telling us, what our friends are telling us, what our pastors told us, what our parents told us, what our professor told us. And so then, for there, for there to be no division and for us to be united in mind and thought means we're a work in progress. But we have to see each other as equal before that will ever happen. And then honor, honesty, and hospitality have to be existent. First John 1 John 1.7 says, We walk in the light as He is the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from everything. If I can't step into a conversation believing that, then, then I'm already behind. I'm already in the red. We talked last week about when you accept your flaws, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. When you expect those, when you, when you understand and you've interpreted, and it's like, okay, I, under, I understand what this is, but I understand that Jesus beat that. I understand that Jesus perfected me. I understand that I am born again accepted. I understand that. When you understand that, you can step into a conversation and have some respect for the person across from you and honor them, and you can love them, and you can be honest. And when they call you out on something, they see you and say, yeah, yeah. Knowing and believing in your heart that Jesus paid the price for that. Yeah, you might see that. But he doesn't. And because he doesn't, I'm going to forgive myself and I'm going to move forward. And so the easiest thing to kind of define or, or dig into today is hospitality because we all have common ground on it. It's the most understood thing. There's no controversy about hospitality. Have you ever heard any news story, article, anything come against the word hospitality? No. No, because it's understood. We understand what it is. Right. And we understand when to be it. We just need to be it more consistently. And so when you think of hospitality, what do you think of? Anything. Yell it back at me. Food. Food. Hosting. Fellowship. Hotels. Laughter. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Can we get to the Super Bowl? Southern hospitality is, is kind of the big thing that comes to mind, right? We all know how the people in the southern part of our country like to treat people. And, and it's so very unique. And this is a term that started a long time ago where what happened in the South was people were warm and they were welcoming and they were sweet. And it was like, man, I want to come back here. How many guys have friends in the South part of our country? And you like visiting them, don't you? They love you well. Why? Southern hospitality. Right? I have a friend, he's a pastor, and he's just very adamant and very bold about this. And he'll tell you, I'm going to come to your house, okay? And I'm going to open your refrigerator, and I'm going to sit on your couch, and I'm going to use your toilet. And he'll tell you that. And I was like, well, this is a little extreme. You're going, you're going overboard with me. I don't need to know that last part. And I, and I just thought that he said that until it actually became something that happened in my house. And so we have friends that are coming over. This is, this is several years ago. Some friends are coming over to our house. Now, when somebody comes to your house, what do you do? You prepare the house. When you, we know you're coming here on Sunday, we prepare the house. Okay. And so we have made sure to clean our house, to vacuum and to delete anything that our kids did in the bathroom this week. Okay. 
And so to the point where our kids don't use the guest bathroom anymore, they have to go upstairs. And so, so then they come over. We're about an hour and a half into this conversation to our time together. We've ate, we've had a good time. And the wife gets up and she goes to the bathroom. Nobody even knows what happens. And she just comes out. And before the door closes, she says, hey, your toilet's clogged. And I'm like, okay. Like, didn't need to know that. Now, this was clean before you went in there. Okay? And it, and it worked before you went in there. So she comes out and she's like, and I was like, wow, what Dino said is really true. Like, they will use my toilet, right? And so in all of that, I say that to say, I pre- we prepared for her to use the toilet. That shouldn't have been a shock to us, okay? Hey, stuff happens, all right? It happens. And so I grew up with four siblings, and so hospitality didn't exist in my house. You had to fend for yourselves, right? We had three bedrooms, one bathroom, and good luck. Good luck. And so you got real fast. So when I tell our kids, you have three minutes, okay? It means three minutes because that's the culture I grew up in. Now, we have, we've gotten really polite, and we go to like five and a half now. Okay, but we have a lot of people in our house, and so we like to conserve hot water. And so I have a friend named John Jones. John Jones lives in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It's, I've never experienced culture like I have in Tuscaloosa. And I go down to a pastor's conference a couple of years ago, and John says, hey, you've got to come back to an Alabama game. You have to come back. to." Alabama. I'm not an Alabama fan, okay? After I left, I was. And so he's like, you got to come down to a game. So I grab my, I'm grabbing my worship pastor and we go down to Tuscaloosa. We drive all night long. We get there early and John's like, hey, meet me at this cafe. This cafe is it. And this is like the local secret where you see all of the older generation. Like this is where people go to eat. This is, this is the spot. He buys us breakfast, which is awesome. We get done with breakfast. He says, hey, he goes, you have to go and get a red polo. Like, that's just what we do. So you need a red polo on. You need to get some crimson so you'll fit in, okay? Follow me over here to this place. John goes in. He spends $160 on two shirts. I would never do that, okay? 160 bones on two shirts. He's like, hey, put these on. He said, now listen, I know you've been driving all night, so, so follow me to my place. And he has um, built out, he's, he's got a massive travel trailer. He owns a business, and it's got two bathrooms in it. It's really nice. He's decked it out for us. He's like, hey, you stay here, and if you go to sleep right now, you'll be up by 3, okay? I'll pick you up here at 3. College game day's in town. You're not going to get even close to the stadium. And so I'll pick you up, and I'll drop you as close as I possibly can so your walk is short. And so he does that, and as we get out of the car, he hands me two tickets. These tickets are $2,300 a piece. I have two seats to the game. I have an inside seat and an outside seat. I would never buy these tickets. Okay, I'm used to sitting down there and getting my shoulders all crammed in with peanuts and like struggling to get through my stuff, right? And so John gives me these tickets. They're to the south end of the stadium. I have all I can eat shrimp and bread pudding. And like, it was, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. And so we're sitting inside. We're sitting outside. After the game is over, he comes. He picks us up at the exact same spot. We were treated like royalty, not just by John, but by everybody there. And I thought, man, how, why would you not love being here? Why would you not love being here? John takes us back, he puts up his trailer, and we bail out the next day and we go home. That's Southern hospitality. That's, John would tell you, that's just who he is. That's just who he is. That didn't cost him anything. It just flows out of him. That's the gift that he has. And so Southern hospitality is great. We understand hospitality. Let's talk about biblical hospitality. Now my, now my good friend John, not the Apostle John, the Apostle John defines biblical hospitality really good. And we see it in Scripture, and we, what we see in Scripture is fellowship, support, and love 
constantly surround the idea of hospitality. And so when someone in the first century church shared a meal with you or they brought you into their home, they weren't just offering you a helping hand. They were sharing their life. They were sharing their life. That's what John did with me. It was very personal. And when that happens, when we offer biblical hospitality, when it happens, it affirms what the apostles teach us. Right. And it's not just something that we some have been a phrase of love, love your neighbor as you love yourself or love one another like that. And after looking at the examples we see in scripture from John, I did the hard work for you. You see the, the implication, impl, implications from these examples. And we can define what biblical hospitality is, as this. The welcoming and fellowshipping with all people out of truth and love for Jesus Christ so that people may see Christ more clearly and will join us as believers and will join us as believers. And God added to their numbers if you follow through the, the end of Acts there. And so then Romans 12, 13 says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Always be eager to practice hospitality, which means literally to pursue loving strangers. And that tends to get uncomfortable for us because we only like to love the people we know. And, and if we're being really honest, we're not really good at that, right? And so then, when you love strangers, you, uh, you don't understand what the need is. And because you don't know the need, we get leery to lean into that, right? Somebody say amen. Because yeah. it's tough. What is this going to take me five minutes? It's going to take me five hours. Do they only need, a, do they only need a, a, a flat tire changed? Or do they need their whole car hauled in? Is this going to take me the rest of the day? Well, I have a family and we have this and that and that, right? And so then Luke 6.38 says this. The measure that you give with, it's going to be given back to you, right? It will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, poured into your lap. For the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. It clearly states that we don't do stuff from exchange, right? It's not a, I'm going to give, so I get. It is, I'm going to give because Jesus gave. I'm going to love because Jesus loved. And so it clearly states that the measuring cup that we use, and I, Miss Julie, I still have your pink picture, by the way. I was going to bring it today. I didn't. I was going to bring the picture, and I was going to bring a little small cup and say, what are we measuring with? Because that's really what it's all about. What is the cup that you're using? Because the cup that you use is what's going to be used to fill you back up, to give back to you. So if you're given a small cup of love, don't sit at home and complain because you ain't getting any love. Right? Like, that's real. That's just the truth. It's in the Bible. Okay? So my question to you is, what is the size of your measuring cup? If there's a challenge today, that would be it. What is the size of your cup? So here's your action step today. If you're going to define what the cup is, you must cultivate a hospitable heart. If it's not there, that's okay. You're going to cultivate it. And as we consider putting biblical hospitality into action in our lives, most of us can recall a time that we tried to do this and we were rejected. And because we're rejected being nice to somebody, what do we do? <sighs> not doing that again. Okay. Unless I can read this person perfectly and understand their body language 100%, unless I know that they're in a great mood, they've had a great day, and they love Jesus, I'm not holding that door. Right? And that stinks. Don't use rejection as a roadblock to limit you from future hospitality or future love of people. We do that so much. If we cultivate a heart of biblical hospitality, we must refuse to rely on our achievements or our rejections. You can't go back to that. Paul says, I look forward, right? You're going to go through it because you call yourself a follower, a believer, a Christian. That's going to come. Count it all joy is what the Bible says. Count it all joy and continue to show and be love and light. 
And so then giving biblical hospitality is not easy, right? Depending on circumstance, relationship, acquaintance, all of that stuff. And so then to develop proper me measuring strategies, I'm going to give you a few ways to get started. Okay. The easiest way that, that we like to roll is we like to do desserts and meals. Heather loves the kitchen. She likes to cook. And if she makes it, we give it away. I don't eat it. Therefore, I don't get bigger than this. Okay. Make a list of people, make a list of people who would love to be encouraged or who need to be encouraged. Who do you know right now that you could send a text and it would make their day? Do that. Start there. Just start there. Make a plan to invite somebody over to your house soon or out soon now that we can walk around freely. Amen. Amen. Invite somebody home after church. Well, that's risky right there. How long are they going to stay? They're going to get into my nightly routine. It is Sunday. It's a school night. Okay. Right. Bring someone to church. That's big steps right there. Bring somebody to church. Now you would say, Dusty, I'm super introverted and I'm not doing any of that stuff. Okay. You can pray. You can pray that God will demonstrate his character through you. I've never done that before. Or I've had so many times where people have just shut the door on me that I'm not even willing to try. Pray. Pray that God would put people on your path. Pray that God would demonstrate his character through you. And then purpose. Purpose. To nurture a heart that has a great attitude and has the willingness to have biblical hospitality that sincerely communicates what we experience from our friends in the South. Come back soon. Come back soon. Come back soon. Because of how everything has happened in the last two years, I don't know if you've noticed or realized how bad customer service is right now. Okay? It's the truth. I don't know of any restaurant I've been in in the last two years where I feel like I can come back soon. Matter of fact, they don't even answer their phone. Just use the app. I have to have people. I have to have people. I don't want to use your app. I cannot special order on your app. I need to tell you to take the onions off that thing, okay? I need that. And so then there's no option on your app because you haven't thought this all the way through. You just, you're trying to avoid people at every turn. And so then here's an app for you. And, I, and maybe I'm maybe I just by myself here, but that stuff drives me nuts. People, don't tell me no 14 times before I walk in your restaurant. I'm not going to feel like I'm welcome back. I can't. When I come in, don't be short with me. What happened to the come back soon? Come back soon. Isn't that what this what should be here? Come back soon. Come back soon. Come back every day if you like. Come back soon. That's what a heart of biblical hospitality gives. And so here's how it plays out. The biblical, the point of biblical hospitality is the emphasis on displaying Jesus to the people you come in contact with. It's just Jesus through you. Whenever you meet them, wherever you meet them, however you gather, you have to grasp that, that all the time this is going on, you have this feeling and this measurement that's happening outside of here where people are looking at stability and success, Right. And I'm only going to be nice to him. This is how it works in Detroit. I'm only going to be nice to him if he can do something for me. That, the gospel deletes that, okay? Jesus deletes that. And Jesus says, I want to walk side by side with you. I'm going to walk with you. And I'm going to walk with you to glorify God, to glorify Jesus in me. And so then here's what we do about it. Your anxiety kicks in when I talk about this. And you're like, oh man, you're going to ask me to do something. No, I'm not going to ask you. I want you to be somebody. I want you to be a follower of Jesus. That's what I want from you. Okay. And I just, before the anxiety really kicks in, you think, oh no. First John 5, 3 says, for, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments do not weigh us down. 
Having a heart for people should not weigh you down. If it does, you might just need to delete that person from your life. That stinks. There are some people who are rotting your bones. They are. I have a best friend like that. I've been to fistfights with. We talked about him this week in staff meeting. We were at a stoplight. We were at a stoplight. And he knows where I'm at. Matter of fact, the first time I ever went to church was with him. He took me. And we've got to this place as, as younger adults in our 20s. And he says, Otis, he says, I know. Like, I know that God exists. I know that he's there. And he'll be there when I'm ready. And I'm like, bro, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. And we pulled over at a Hibden tire and we went to blows because I told him that's, that's, that's false. The Bible says it's better to not know better than to know better. And what you're saying is you know better and you're rejecting him anyways. And that's not good. I'm not a fighter, by the way. It's just how it happened. Okay. And so then biblical hospitality is not always a well-groomed home with a clean toilet. Okay. It's not, it can be, it really can be. It's a characteristic that we have inside of us, right? It should, it should characterize every believer. It should characterize every person who follows Jesus. Hospitality is really just living as an example. It's being an example of Jesus. Meaning that it may take place or the shape of meeting at a coffee house and having coffee. Your choice. Okay, you don't have to go to Starbucks. Could be shoveling your neighbor's driveway. Okay? It could be dinner with a couple that could be in a similar spot as you or behind you. Could be a dinner to say, hey, how are you guys doing? You guys want to go out to lunch? There are several people in here who go out to lunch afterwards. It blesses my heart. That's what it's about, right? It's texting somebody that you're reminded of. You're, you're driving down the road. You don't text and drive, by the way, okay? Because I don't, you know. <laughs> you're thinking somebody, God put somebody on your heart. Don't just treat it as a thought. Text that person. Hey, man, thought of you today. Are you okay? Here's where we stink. We stink because we come on Sundays and we look around and we see who didn't come. And the first thing we say is, where were you? Where were you? Stop. Hey, man, I missed you today. Are you okay? That's a heart of hospitality. Are you okay? How are you? Not where were you? Where were you means what? I don't receive that very well. Okay. That means you need me to do something. Okay. And I didn't. And you're, you're upset with me. Okay. <laughs> and so then whatever it takes to make Christ the center. So I want to tell you that this, this, and we, this is outreach for us. All of these things are just an excuse to show people who Jesus is. They're all just the excuse. You can call it coffee, pizza, come to my house, whatever. It's just an excuse. That thing is the excuse to show people Jesus. This is the love of God. You would have his heart, right? So then our value of hospitality is the anchor of who we are. And hopefully you feel hospitality here every Sunday. We continue to make minor improvements to let you know we love you. You're welcome, accepted, loved. Come back, come back. My action step every Sunday is going to be come back. Keep coming back and growing in God, right? So then here's how we define, and I'm going to wrap it up. You guys ready to wrap it up? Pre-game starts, you know. <laughs> Pre-game starts here and, you know, and it's going to be on for seven hours. Genuine hospitality, biblical hospitality creates an environment where people feel welcomed and accepted. It welcomes people on their terms. I want you to think about that for a second. 
It welcomes people on their terms, not what we expect. And I feel like we, the church, can do a lot better. We, the capital C church, can do a lot better at this. Because I know people who shove who they are and how they talk and how they dress at that door. And they walk in and they put on a front to be something that this group is. And then as soon as they leave, they undo the tie. And then, and then people who don't believe in Jesus go, wait a second. He's just that way on Sunday and he's not that way on Monday. No, no, no. And so then we want to welcome people on their terms. It's how you come. And it's what God wants to do in your life. This is a continuous outpouring of the love of Jesus. It's not the love of man. Because the love of man is sometimes jaded based on our perspective, right? And so then when you do that, when you're you're loving and you're generous toward people, it reminds them they belong. It's two scriptures. I can't help but support this with scripture. 1 John 4, 16 says, Consistently be hospitable to one another because love covers all and breaks through everything. And all who live in love live in God and he lives in them. That last part is consistency. Who live in love, live in God, and he lives in them every day. It's a day to walk. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10 is this. Above all, maintain an intense love. Intense love. Subpar, mediocre, intense Maintain an intense love for each other since love covers a multitude of sin. Be hospitable to one another without complaining based on the gift each one has received. Use it to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. When you love someone, they should know it. That was the thought. Romans fifteen seven says, accept one another as I have accepted you. That's the simplest way to put it. It's a little preview for next week. What you need to know is when you show someone biblical hospitality, you send this message. It's two part. You matter to me and you matter to God. It's two part. When you show that to somebody, you matter to me and you matter to God. And so then do you know somebody today who needs to experience the love of Jesus, biblical hospitality? If you do, just raise your hand. Pray for them this week. Just pray for them. You know where they need to be. Pray for them. Because your hospitality, I love this, can be their hospital. Your hospitality can be their hospital. Sometimes all you have is a smile, send it. Sometimes all you have is an encouraging word, send it. Your hospitality can be their hospital. People every day are dying and going to hell because they do not experience the love of Jesus. It's in every person in this group. It costs you very little. We do this thing with our kids on Tuesdays and Thursdays called um, 10 Things That Cost Nothing. And it's all energy, effort, love, attitude, kindness, all that stuff. Hospitality really costs you zero. But the return is a hundredfold when you're using the excuse of just showing the love of Jesus. And so then we welcome people on their terms. We love them like God loves us. We live as an example. Super simple. Super simple. Because hospitality is always good medicine. It's always good medicine. No matter what part of the country. Let's stop blaming the South for it. Let's bring it up here. Okay? Well, if I want to feel like that, i got to go to Tuscaloosa. No, you don't. That exists in you first. Then in your house. Then around your house with your neighbors. Until it spreads all the way to this building and we meet every Sunday. Amen?